I titled the sermon this morning, Mama, There Goes That Man. Anybody watch NBA basketball? Okay, we've got a few. Mark Jackson, this is, his, this is his thing. When someone on the basketball court does something incredible, typically it's my guy, LeBron James, right? And he's like, oh, mama, there goes that man. I love that. It just, it just captures that moment. He's done something that is spectacular, and he's pointing him out. And what I'd like to do today is put ourselves in the shoes of maybe a, a young man who experiences this story as Moses comes down from the mountain. He comes down with the new tablets written by the finger of God. He comes in and, and it's like he, he grabs his mom and says, Mama, there goes that man. That's Moses. A very, very interesting text before us today. And uh, my goal is to, is to just spend time What's a fascinating uh, journey here, just a few verses this week, next week a whole lot of verses, but I want to just camp in this because I think there's so much that is just in these verses. And so Exodus 34, let's, let's pray for God's help as we journey into these just final verses of chapter 34. Lord, we love you. We are delighted to be called your children, all by grace and only through Jesus Christ. We come, Lord, with overflowing hearts of joy and gratitude for all your many blessings. Even though the journey was a challenge for many here today, this past week, heavy, painful, we come with joy because we have a life that, that death and trials and pain and, and, uh, and, and heartache cannot touch. Nothing can separate us, Lord, from your love, not even death itself, as we were reminded just yesterday. I thank you, Father, for this passage, and I pray, O oh Lord, that we together would experience this text in, in a deeper way, that we would see you and that we would taste this morning of your greatness and your glory, that we would go out this week with our joy to the nations. We thank you for your goodness to us and the riches of your word. We look now together and we ask that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin with the shining face of Moses. The shining face of Moses. Verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. And Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. There was something remarkable taking place here. Let's just consider this. The skin of his face shone. It was something different, something unique, something that hadn't happened before. Remember where Moses has been. He has spent 40 days before the very presence of God. Much of that, we understand, as he reflects back on it, on his face before the Lord in worship. He neither ate bread nor drank water the entire time, which means God miraculously sustained his life during that period of time. So he comes down with the, the two tablets 
containing each the Ten Commandments written again by the finger of God. What a gift of God's grace that is. He comes down having beheld the glory of God. God has passed by. He hid him in the rock and covered him. And then as he passed by, he proclaimed his glory and his greatness. And something happened in that exchange as he spent time with the Lord. His face was made to shine. The surface of his face was radiant. It it was shining. There was glory that was just emanating from his face. Hmm. What's weird about this is Moses was unaware. Now, I want to give us an experience this morning of what this might be like. And so you, you can't just read a text like this and just try to imagine. You have to try to experience it. Okay, so what I did is I went on Amazon and I Googled up the uh, most powerful headlamp. This is 10,000 lumens. Look at this beast. Okay, you could you could do a lot of things with this. And this morning, I'm going to preach with it. Okay, so. I will be sensitive. I I will try not to blind you. That is not the goal of uh, your pastor today. The goal of your pastor, however, is to give you an experience of what it might have been like to be Israel as Moses is coming down. I've never done this before. Let's kill the lights, guys. In this one, good. Okay. Now, here I come. Here's Moses coming down. How's that? Is that working? Too bright? Can you see it? Is it too bright? Let's try this one. How about this? Is that, is that better? That's way brighter, isn't it? Okay, we could do both. He, he looked, he's looking this way and that. Or maybe it was more like this. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's just stick with this one for now. Now, here's, here's what's happening. I can see. It's interrupting your ability to See my face. It's so bright. It's so overwhelmingly powerful that it is disturbing. And this is the nature of this exchange. Let me just see what it says here. (laughs) Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, they were afraid to come near him. Well, it was so incredibly radiant that it freaked them out, and they ran away. I just had to give you that experience. Something completely different was taking place. Moses didn't know it. He he literally was coming down and people are running. They're scattering. Aaron even is just like tripping over himself to get away from Moses. Before a word was spoken, before Moses even opened his mouth, the people knew. They knew. He had been with God. There was this incredible reality that just emanated from the face of Moses. This hadn't happened before. The first time it didn't happen like this. This was different. Now, the uncertainty would have been on both sides of this equation. Moses, as he went up the mountain the first time, was interrupted by the Lord and their fellowship was was, was drawn to a halt because the Lord said, listen, this is what the people have done. What? Yeah, they made a golden calf and they're worshiping it. Are you kidding me? So he goes down. Think of the, the, the confidence he might have had as he goes back up the second time. How is this really going to go? Do I have confidence 
that Israel, that Aaron, that other leaders, uh, the, the patriarchs, the tribal leaders are going to remain faithful to the Lord during these 40 days? So he's coming down, and the good news is he hasn't heard the Lord say, uh, you better get down there. They, they, they've lost control again. So that's good. And I imagine he's a little bit timid, like, what am I going to find? Well, these stiff-necked people learn their lesson. But flip the scenario around. If you're uh, that young man and you see this just bright, overwhelming, radiant light coming from Moses' face, you're tugging and you're like, Mama, there goes that man, but you're scared to death. Because last time he came down, he shattered the tablets and at the command of the Lord, 3,000 unrepentant Israelites were slain for their sin. What's it going to be like now? Here's what they don't know for sure. Will we be forgiven? Will, will we be forgiven by this God? You've got to understand, they can't assume it. You, you can't just presume upon His grace. And so Moses comes, and they're terrified, and he calls them back, and he says, listen, we've got some good news here. Amazing grace, amazing grace is on display. Gracie had her birthday party yesterday. I had a bunch of her friends over, and, and uh, I, I did a pop quiz on them. Surprised them with a question from the pastor. Why is grace so amazing? Remember that? Yeah. Why is grace so amazing? And I wasn't talking about my daughter, right? I mean, that, that, that was kind of the idea. Is that her, we named her this Grace Delight because God's grace is our delight. It's amazing grace. Why is grace amazing? Because it's un deserved it's unexpected we don't deserve it moses called to them and aaron and all the leaders the congregation returned to him and moses talked with them and afterward the people of israel came near and he commanded them all the lord had spoken with him in mount sinai sermon time preaching time boys Moses comes down with the word of the Lord. He comes down with the glory of the Lord, the reflective glory of the Lord, and he proclaims God's word to God's chosen people. There's a few things we see in this, this radiance, this shining face of Moses. I want to point four of them out here today. The first is this. God's mediator is not uncertain. This is once again, a confirmation that Moses is God's man to lead, to speak for God, to come and, and bring his people the word of God. He is God's mediator. Lest anybody be confused and uh, lest anything happen while they were gone, any murmuring or grumbling, which those folks were prone to, they were silenced at this. The second thing is God's presence. The reflective radiance shining off of Moses' face was a confirmation, in fact, that the Lord had not pulled his presence from his people. But he was there, and he would, he would be there with his people. Another comfort and encouragement for the people who had sinned. Number three, it, it shows us the authority of God. Moses speaks not on his own, but he speaks for God. He speaks the word of God to the people of God. 
He's bringing them God's word. This was their request because they were terrified when the Lord spoke directly to them. Moses, you speak to us on God's behalf. And here it was, unmistakable. And number four, this is probably the most prominent thing that it displays is God's glory. The glory of God. God is so glorious that as Moses spends time with him, his face just is is captivated by this glory. And it soaks it up like a sunburn on, on on a California beach. God's glory is shining. What other idol that you bow before would cause your face to light up like that? What what other expression of worship before any pagan God has ever done anything like this? But the Lord can. Now, veiled and unveiled. Veiled and unveiled. I just want to study this a little more closely because there's tremendous... uh, uncertainty on how these verses are to be understood and let's look at them together verse 33 when Moses had finished speaking with them he put a veil over his face whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him he would remove the veil until he came out and and when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded the people of Israel would see the face of Moses that the skin of Moses face was shining and Moses would put a veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him okay so there's a certain order of events here that we've got to try to discern Moses comes down his face is just overpoweringly radiant with God's glory and he proclaims the word of God it's a sermon and then at the end of that sermon he takes and he he veils his face and he would wrap something around his face and the skin of his face would then be veiled why did he wear the veil that's the question. Why, why would Moses put a veil over his face if it was the glory of God? Wouldn't you want to just shine? A few suggestions here. One would be this. Uh, Moses played the mediator's role by God's command. He, he was the one who would uh, be interacting, the go-between between God and his people. And so there was a couple aspects of this one was the prophetic role the preaching role proclaim my glory to the people tell them my word with authority that was the unveiled preaching of of god's word every time he would come out of the tent of meeting he would do just that he would he would speak the the glory of god to the people and his word with unveiled face but then he would veil his face after that when he finished that he would put the veil back on And I think it's because there was also a pastoral role that he was fulfilling. One was prophetic and another was pastoral. You you can't have people scared to death to come near Moses. They have to be able to come to him to bring their requests and to interact with him on, on their behalf. And then Moses takes those things and interacts with the Lord. So the, it seems that the veil was there and put in place to, to allow the people to get past their, their fear of his face shining so bright. There's been a lot made over the years uh, about uh, whether, whether Moses' face was fading or not. And I think as we uh, see in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in a little bit, 
It's actually a, a, not a close enough reading of 2 Corinthians 3, the way Paul sees that. It was a temporary glow. It was a temporary radiance. But I don't think it was fading and that Moses was afraid for the people to see that it was fading. I don't think that's why he wore the veil. I think he wanted that veil in place so that people wouldn't be afraid to come near. How long did he wear the veil? There's also a lot of question about this. I think there's actually a, a fairly strong argument to be made from, from silence. This is the only place in their journey from here forward where this is referred to, where Moses' face is shining. Some think that when Moses died, it says that his eyes were strong and his, and his strength was still there. He, he didn't uh, wear out. The Lord just took him home, and, and his face especially is described as strong and vibrant. And so they think that maybe this carried all the way through. But I tend to think there was something else that happened. You remember that the tabernacle has yet to be built. So that's coming next week. We're going to look at that and and see all of that that happens there. I think there was a temporary period of time where Moses was interacting with the Lord in this tent of meeting, and the Lord's glory was among his people, with them, shining on Moses' face. But when the temple or the, uh, the tabernacle, I should say, was put in place, that curtain, in a sense, I would say, became the veil. The Holy of Holies was filled with the Lord Himself. His manifestation, the theophany of God, the visible presence of God was manifested there now in the tabernacle. And that temple curtain, I think, is what took the place of the veil for Moses. And so... That may be why we don't hear about Moses' face shining like this the rest of the, of the wanderings once that tabernacle was filled with God's presence in the center of the camp amidst the people, the glory of God. Hmm. One thing that just struck me as I looked at these verses is this, that, that God is free to work in different ways at different times. If you just survey the Scriptures... Or even church history. Look, just look across the, the years. God will move in a special, unique way at a point along the way in history. And then it'll change. And He'll do something different. And then one area will experience a unique expression of God's work and, and, and uh, power. And then 400 years of silence. Right? God chose at the moment that, that Moses was coming down to show his glory in his face. And then, I believe, that glory was displayed in the, the journey of that tabernacle being set up and then torn down and hauled all around those many years. Hmm. But all of it has a focal point. All of it has a purpose. The face of Moses points us to face of Jesus I think it was Spurgeon who said it this way in every text in the Bible there's always a view to Calvary so every time you're reading the scriptures you can always spot that hill the cross of Christ there's a pro an appropriate way to see it and what I want to do today is is say okay what do we see here that God did in Moses and through Moses that points us to Calvary's hill and the Savior. So there's a few things that I think are worth pointing out 
Moses was God's appointed mediator, but he was only the shadow. He was the shadow of God's great mediator, Jesus Christ. In Adam, all die. But in Christ, all are made to live through faith in him. All who believe in him are are made alive. So he is called the second Adam. Here, we could say Jesus is the second Moses. He is the mediator that God sent. In fact, he is the fulfillment of these things. He, He is the fulfillment of all of the radiance of God's glory that shone forth from the face of Moses. We see it here in Christ. I want to take us on a journey this morning through a few different passages, and I think it's just amazing how God brought this to pass. Let's go first to the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 1 through 3. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led him up on a high mountain by themselves. Interesting. A high mountain by themselves. That's similar to our text. And he, being Jesus, was transfigured before him. Well, what does that look like? Okay. His face shone like the sun. Where have we seen that before? The face of Moses. But not just his face. Even his clothes became white as light. And in case we still don't see the connection, just like helping us out here, in case we still are missing this, behold, there appeared with them Moses and Elijah. They were talking with Jesus. There appears Moses, God's appointed mediator for God's people, the one who would bring the law of God, and Elijah, the prophet of God, the prophet of prophets, who would point both of these men, their whole ministry, their whole lives, point to the fulfillment Jesus Christ. Imagine what it would have been like. I mean, Peter was overwhelmed. He's like, oh my goodness, we should make a tent. I mean, we should do something here. Maybe three tents. And he's trying to figure it out, and the Lord interrupts him. And a bright cloud, white as light, comes and out of the cloud speaks, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Mm. And Peter closed his mouth and bowed to the ground and worshipped. He trembled in fear. The connection, the, the pointer that Moses serves to be, the Old Testament is brought to its fulfillment in the New Testament. And all of it points us to Jesus. Hmm. Let's fast forward now to the moment that Jesus died. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and He yielded up His Spirit. And behold, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. What does this mean? How does this bring us from Exodus 34 all the way forward to the fulfillment of this? Well, the entire tabernacle, the ministry, every single sacrifice ever offered was done in faith that the sacrifice would satisfy the wrath of God. There is absolutely no value in the shedding of the blood of a lamb if there is not the sacrifice that brings that value to it. So, 
in that moment as Jesus died. It is finished. It is fulfilled. The temple is not needed anymore. The veil is torn from top to bottom, revealing the Holy of Holies. We now are given access through Jesus Christ to the very presence of God. He is our mediator. Wow. Hmm. The surpassing glory of the new covenant. God has given the fulfillment of His promise in the sending of His Son who lived a perfect life and died an atoning death to satisfy God's wrath against the sin of all who believe in Christ. And the glory that is found in that fulfillment is so bright that it makes the the, the glory that was on the face of Moses look like a candle next to the solar flare of the glory of Jesus Christ. And so we read in Paul's uh, description of these things, This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Now fill this in a little bit. It's just to say this. What Paul is saying is not that there was no glory that was shining on the face of Moses. What he's saying is the glory that was shining on the face of Moses is so small compared to the glory that we see when we look at Christ that it's as if it could be compared to the veil that he wore that covered it. That veil of the law that cannot save. The law only condemns. The law brings death because we fail. We have all sinned. The the law was glorious. Yes, it was good. Yes, but it had a fulfillment in Jesus. It pointed us to the cross. It always did. It always did. In fact, that's why I make the case there is way more grace in the Old Testament than we ever realized. The whole point of the law was to show us our need, to reveal to us how much we fail, how much we need a Savior and then to throw ourselves completely upon the sacrifice of Christ. His work, His glory, makes Moses pale in comparison. I love this verse. Uh, This this is uh, one of Paul's most magnificent masterpieces. Speaking of God's Holy Spirit, who is part of the triune God, right? The Spirit of the Lord. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Do you remember the conversion of of Paul? When he was uh, on the road and he was blinded by the Lord and Jesus himself said, why do you persecute me? And then he turns him from killing Christians and persecuting Christians and and going after and trying to squash the church. He takes him into the city and Ananias uh, speaks to the the, the words of the Lord that that God had given Ananias and, and And it says it was as if scales fell off his eyes. The veil was removed. 
one of the most learned Jews who knew the Old Testament so well, he saw glory in the face of Christ. And it it blew him away. It radically changed him. He was changed. He was set free, as it were. Set free to do the will of the Lord. To obey. Set free to serve. And the one who sought to stamp out the church began to be the most prolific church planter the world may have ever known. Here we benefit still from his work. I love this. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God. The veil is removed. This is regeneration. This is the work of the Spirit. We can't do this ourselves. You can't claw the, the veil off of your face. You cannot do that. You don't have the ability, but God does. When we look to Christ, He rips back the veil. We see Him for who He is. We are saved. We are set free. We behold His glory. And as we behold His glory, we are being changed. We are, be, we, we are transformed by beholding that glory. Uh, everlastingly so. Ever increasingly so. It says, from one degree of glory to another. It just keeps coming. keeps getting more glorious. We become as we behold. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The glory of Jesus Christ is the point of Exodus 34. It always was. The glory of Jesus Christ is the focal point of any light that shines from the face of Moses. It always was. That is the glimpse that we see from Exodus 34. So, would say it this way. As we behold the glory of Christ, we become increasingly like Christ. You see the connection here? It's not just for salvation. This is for sanctification. This is for becoming more and more the man or the woman of God that He has created you to be in Christ. We behold Him and we become like Him. Hmm. As we behold, we become. So, the question then this morning for our response is, Have you been with God this week? Have you been with Him this week? Here's what happens. Just thinking about how this this works as we spend time with the Lord and and I I just put my face, oh, and I just behold His glory and I stare at Him with my soul and I read His Word. Wow, that's hot. And I'm charged up and then I come up and it's just like, I'm going through life and and I don't even maybe notice it. I I might not even be able to tell. But everywhere I go, I'm reflecting this glory. We behold and we become. Have you with unveiled face beheld His glory this week? You might be here and you're saying, "I, I don't know that I've ever really seen His glory. I would just call you to come back to this Jesus. Every verse of this Bible points to Him. Draw your attention to this Jesus who would live the life that none of us could ever live. 
perfect obedience, perfect submission. And then in love, joyfully, for the joy set before him, submit himself to the plan of the Father eternally and lay his life down to pay for your sins and my sins. To be nailed to a cross, to be mocked, spit upon, to die one of the most agonizing deaths the world could come up with, and to pay in full God's wrath for the sins we have committed. But that's not all. We do not have a Savior who is in the tomb. After three days, He rose, conquering death and sin and Satan and hell and giving life to all who believe in Him. Freely, just trust me, trust my work. Come, bend your knee, repent of your sin. Come, bask in the glory of the risen Savior. It can happen today. Here's how it happens. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my... I want to see You. I want to see You in all of Your glory. I want to, I want to be changed. Drag me out of the mud of my sin and my rebellion and my brokenness and my just lost state. Set me on the rock and hold me forever with an everlasting grip. Take me to yourself when you ordain my days are up. I'll tell you what makes heaven so good. The face of Jesus Christ. His glory. If that's the focal point of your eternal life. Yeah, other things are going to be great. New heaven, new earth, all of that, great. Relatives, yes, but it's Jesus. It's beholding His glory. That's the treasure of all treasures. And we get that now. We see Him. We, we see Him in God's Word. We see Him in our worship. We, we adore Him in our praise, in our prayer. Unveiled faces. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. So, believers, are you shining His reflective glory? You are called to be a light. You are a moon called to reflect the light of the sun. A shining star in the darkness. A city on a hill. As you go this week to God's sovereignly appointed place that He would have you to be, are you shining? You might not notice it at first. But other people will. As you behold Him, you will become increasingly like Him. Beholding is becoming. Friends, it cannot be said enough. This is where we behold Him. This is where we behold Him. If that spotlight could just come shining up out of this book, that would be the best illustration, wouldn't it? They would just, just overwhelm my face to make it so bright you could hardly see me. A Christ-centered community. A Christ-centered congregation. Bible 
saturated people. That's who we long to be. And may it be said someday of us, Mama, there goes that man. That's a, that's a man who knows Jesus. Look at the shine. Look at the glory. Mama, I want to be like that. Lord, we thank you for the supernatural gift of regeneration that you accomplished through the power of your Holy Spirit according to your eternal purpose of salvation. We thank you for tearing off the veil that would keep us bound and tied down in the law and missing the whole point. Oh, Father, the world is filled with religion. It's all about works and performance. It's veiled. There's nothing there. We think of your people, the Jews. Even now, it says the, the veil remains. They, they have this hardened heart. And all they see is Moses and law. They don't see Jesus. Lord, show them the face of Christ, we pray. Use us this week to shine that reflective glory, that incredible radiance that you have given to us, all of grace, and, and help us to be mouthpieces of this message, to go out and speak and tell of your goodness. We love you, Lord. We love to behold you. We love to see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ, and we long to do that forever, that we would be more and more like him. Lord, this week, more this week than last, accomplish all your good pleasure, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.